everyone. Uh, welcome back to the ABM Voice podcast. This is your host, Arun Gopalaswamy. Uh, today, I have the pleasure of speaking to the awesome Amber Ogi, the Senior Director, Growth Marketing at ReachDesk. Um, she's an award-winning marketer, a future CMO, and a many more molded into one. Uh, let's welcome Amber to the show. Welcome, Amber. Happy Friday. It's good to have you here. Thanks for having me, and happy Friday. Thank you. Amber, let's just start with a quick introduction. Uh, I know I've covered a little bit, but if there's anything else that we haven't read about you, known about you, why don't you just give us some background? Um, well, I am, you know, a revenue marketer. Um, that's really how I describe myself. I've been working in this space for over 10 years, and I have found my home in B2B uh, software. And I'm currently leading the demand gen function at ReachDesk. And um, it has been a, a real pleasure to take on the role at ReachDesk and to um, do what I, I, I kind of have been referring to as marrying demand gen with ABM. As someone who spent like a good seven years doing strictly ABM, um, I witnessed a lot of the challenges and silos in the separate teams and strategies. And so I wanted to take that on and, and you know, bring that together and drive success. Hmm, great. I think we'll, we'll talk a lot about the marriage and intersection of ABM demand gen today. Uh, I'm curious to sort of learn about your marketing journey so far, the last 10 years or so, when do you start? When do you get uh, really interested in marketing? What is that you like in marketing? Well, it's a funny, it's a funny uh, question to answer. And it kind of, for me, it kind of goes back to, um, I was at a dinner about a month ago with um, Path Factory, actually meeting with a bunch of marketers in Austin. And um, their head of strategy, Morali, he, he was introducing and you know speaking with everyone. He wanted to do kind of a um, kind of like a soft intro of everybody and have themselves you know say their names so you know the kind of um, get to know you. And so he had everybody share what their first job was and whether or not they got into marketing intentionally or accidentally. Hmm. And the majority of people, it's accidental. And I recently saw a post on this from someone else who asked the same question. And so you can guess I'm an accidental marketer. Um, so I, I found my way into marketing by way of filling out a survey about a website as I was a customer um, success you know, I was a, the person that answered the phones and helped you um, at, at a company. And I took a lot of time to think about the website experience and what people were telling me when I was on the phone with them and issues that I was having navigating as I was placing live orders. And at 22 maybe years old, that caught the eye of the director of marketing and I moved into marketing. So that's how I started in marketing. And like mm. those accidental marketers, um, I had no did, idea. Did he, did he mention what is that he liked about what you, your observations or anything like that, that triggered his curiosity? Oh, well, I had initially applied for the role in marketing and I was mm. not hired based on my lack of experience. And it was a very validating moment for me to prove myself mm. because 
I was very young and I didn't know that I was adding value. And what I was doing is just giving my honest thoughts and feedback. And so this was a very interesting experience where they said to me when they offered me the job, you know, we didn't think that you had enough experience and you, you impressed us. I ended up getting to lead a website rebrand project uh, after initially kind of coming into the role. Got it. Sounds like a good accident. It was a really good accident because I had a very, very short time in like a, what was an inbound or sorry, what was an inside sales role, which is today is referred to as like a BDR team. And Hmm. uh, this is many years ago. So I know a little, a little more these days, but I found myself not strong in that area and wanting to, I joke, like, I just wanted to give everything away. I wanted to do everything that that person was asking for. I was just much more marketing focused. I was always thinking Mm. about the customer and the prospect and what it was like for them. Needless to say, I ended up in the right space. Mm. Very nice. Uh, And what after that? What else did you do in the next nine years? Um, well, I had a few different entry roles. I started in event planning and I like to say that when you figure out, uh, your kind of space in marketing, a lot of times it's identifying things that you don't love to do. Um, so, you know, event planning was not my favorite. I moved into program management, which is, you know, more of a demand gen role. Um, and I think that my career really really it it took off once i went to my first software company but previous to that i was at an insurance company in san francisco and um, the role that i had i had a really good boss and i was responsible for supporting the strategy and execution side of the business and so in like combination with having a really a really good boss and leader i also learned the where a, where a strategy is born, how to think about a strategy, how to plan it out, and then how to put that into an execution plan and then get it to go live by working with a very large creative operational team. I learned project management, time management, and then measurement of impact. So hmm. that was all in a very different world and space. It was super valuable for me as I went into my next job. And that was my first software company. And that's also where the ABM story begins. Hmm. Excellent. I guess this is what you mean by I can think at 50,000 feet level and also maybe five feet level. Yeah, definitely. I, I do think that the strategic nature is um, a natural skill set that some marketers tend to have in the you have to grow it, hmm. but I think most marketers have that execution, right? Hmm. Cause we have to do it to get to any level. We have to do it. Right. We identify that we're strong there and that we like it, or we lean into the strategy. Hmm. And then as we grow that, so there's a benefit of course, as you're growing into your career to really, you know, hold on to the executional aspects and have a lot of respect for the time um, and work that goes into everything, the weeds, the data, the details, the little micro changes. Hmm. And then, yeah, the strategic level, I was very drawn to it very early. And ABM 
very much helped me grow that. And uh, I like to say that I was initially drawn to ABM because unlike the demand general that I was in, it allowed me to slow down and think and be more strategic and plan because for the one-to-one motion, there's a lot of planning and slower instead of the, the, what I felt like at the time was very fast moving and reactive. Um, and so I really leaned into that ABM side and, and that's, you know, a lot of my strategic skills started to, the seeds were planted. Awesome. So what kind of combination, so let's say, I'm, I'm sure your aspiration right now is to be leading a, a marketing team, right? So between an execution and st- strategy, what sort of combination would you think is an ideal combination? Um, wow. I mean, I think it's, it's going to be hugely dependent on the company, right? right? The role that you're taking, the smaller the business you're at, the more you're going to be leaning into that execution standpoint, the more you're going to be asked to roll up your sleeves. Hmm. Um, you know, the larger the company, the less you're involved in that. However, it's a, um, it's a really important thing to have access to both. I think that it's, it's going to be dependent on what your team looks like, who you have working under you. Hmm. Um, you know, it, for me, I, I want to say that I think that the strategic side is, is significantly more important because hmm. you need to see the whole picture. Right. But it's also very damaging if you can't see the, you know, the, the the 5,000 feet, if you don't understand what's going on from an execution standpoint, then you actually can't spot the Hmm. issue as a leader Hmm. and as a strategy owner, you're, you're just going to look panicked. You're going to ask your team all the time Hmm. and you're not going to necessarily know. So I don't know. I wouldn't say, I would say it's at least a 60 strategy, 40 execution, but it's not necessarily that 40% of your time you need to be executing. It's that you need to have 40% of that knowledge. You need to be able to be comfortable enough to go into the systems and look around yourself. Hmm. Um, Because the further away you get from that, the harder I think that it will be the higher up you go when you have to answer questions. Mm -hmm. That's I think that makes sense. So in your current role at ReachDesk, Right. So what are the different programs that you're running? What are the challenges? Uh, what are your learnings? You've been doing ABM for seven years, you said, right? So how have you seen ABM evolve, right? Uh, from your own personal experience, in general, how people are approaching? Yeah, yeah. So I'll start with what, you know, what we're doing, what, what we're running at ReachDesk. Um, so as I mentioned, I, I wanted to marry ABM and demand generation here. So when I when I started, it was you know priority number one was to um, improve the demand gen engine, make sure it was running really optimally, hmm. and then in conjunction, it was to start out building an ABM strategy. So I'd start with the you know the the foundational materials, sp- certain you know tools that would help us down the road, certain sales enablement things. You know, the biggest, the the two biggest things to name would be um, bringing in ABM campaigns and then uh, bringing in the MQA model 
in order to measure the impact there. Hmm. Those sound like two things when they're very big um, and and difficult things to to tackle in themselves. Um, but we started out with the campaigns. Um, the way I, I just refer to them as segmented campaigns, but what it really is is just coming in and how I kind of described it was, um, you know, you had events over here, you had partner over here, you had demand over here, you had social over here, content over here, and each was doing their own thing and each was, you know, running their responsibilities and putting out the things that they needed to. But um, when we ran a campaign, I wanted all of that stuff to be interconnected. I wanted the event messaging to match the social, the social messaging to match the gifting um, messaging that was going out as we were inviting them to these certain things, the content piece to be supportive of what we were speaking at the event, what the SDR team was you know, messaging. So really just that cohesion of messaging and experience hmm. um, and allowing the buyer or prospect to have a cohesive experience to not, you know, with, with different things. Hmm. Um, so that was kind of like the initial kind of campaign implementation and change as we we're building out the prod, um, uh, the, you know, the ABM supporting products right. and, you know, the MQA model. Um, so it's, it's been, Gosh, how long has it been? I mean, it's been quite, it's, it's been some time mm. since we've implemented that. And we have since um, implemented what I call like the full funnel ABM. Um, and that is your one to many working with demand gen, your one to few bringing in some more segmentation of your campaigns, and then your one to one. So we now have all of those running. And then it's just about scaling and finding the ones that are working better, focusing on those finding ones that maybe are not as impactful and seeing how we can improve them. Right. Yeah. So you guys talk about something called all bound. Is it merely a wordplay or is there some kind of a different framework than a full funnel sort of marketing, which also incorporates ABM? That's a really good question. Um, so many marketers, many ABMers, anyone that's really in the, the GTM space for years, we've heard different acronyms and different things. Um, what, what Allbound is and what Allbound engagement is in some ways, it's a, it's an answer to a question that we've all been asking. It is, um, a connector of existing, of existing strategies, if you will, um, just to simply say what Allbound, what Allbound is, it's the motion of working across your entire GTM team. Hmm. Um, that is working across your team with the human capital and working across your strategies um, and then bringing in what Allbound engagement is. This is, I feel like, a really interesting one and it's something that like I said, it's, it's answering a question for us. It's, it's giving us clarity into what we're all really, what we're all really trying to do. Um, we're all trying to drive more pipeline, drive more revenue. We're all trying to work together and be more collaborative. We know that the GTM team is the core team. We know that we need to be uh, efficient and effective together. We also know the challenges 
both from the people side and the campaign side and the tactics and channels. Hmm. So all bound engagement is leveraging a tool and or strategy that creates engagement across your different channels. So reach desk is an all bound engagement tool and the way that it, it supports that is it works across all of your channels and all of your teams. So interesting enough, reach desk and gifting isn't the only thing that can be an all bounding an all bound engagement tool, but it is one. Hmm. And so what that means is that you can use gifting across your sales, your marketing, your CS, your whole GTM function. Right. You can use gifting to increase um, impact and efficiency across all of your channels, your email, your events, your outreach, and then you can improve certain uh, tactics by leveraging um, by leveraging gifting. So it's it's simply put, it's connecting all of these teams, channels, and tactics together, and it's using something that helps actually break through um, what is a very noisy. Hmm. and busy landscape. So everybody's trying to figure out how do we get to X pipeline? How do we get X opportunities? How do we make this channel more efficient? How do we make, how do, I mean, this is what we've been talking about for well forever in marketing, but really, really a hmm. lot the last year and a half. And it's, it's, Gifting allows you to do that. Gifting hmm. allows you to, if you send, you know, an outreach email one way with nothing, no personalization, no gift, you send it with the gift, with some personalization, you're going to be more successful. Hmm. So is it also the cohesion that you talked about? So the, the, the first time I read uh, All Bound, I thought it's the inbound and outbound which used to be a different path, right? Is it just marrying of those two bounds and calling it as all bound? So you put the customer first and the experiences first, and then really try to come up with certain strategies and executions aligned to the customer's buying journey and things like that? Yeah, I mean, I would say yes, yes and no. Hmm. Um, in that it's not it's not just combining the outbound and inbound motion, mm -hmm. right? It's yes, that is happening, mm -hmm. but it's it's not obsessing and focusing on inbound is this, outbound is that. It's removing kind of the barriers mm -hmm. and it's connecting the motions and it's it's not thinking necessarily uh it's looking at the whole number. It's looking at the whole impact. It's looking mm. at the whole team. Mm. So it's working all together. So that's why I say yes and no. Right. That's true. Uh, so this is for somebody who's beginning. And I talk to a lot of his companies who are just getting started with ABM, right? And they all think ABM to be a, a channel. I'm going to start doing ABM, right? Uh, actually referring to, I'm going to add a channel to my existing either a GTM mix or more specifically within marketing and not realizing that to be a strategy. So is that something that you come across and how do you sort of 
answer that question or the, break that misconception to people who are approaching ABM more as a channel than a strategy? I mean, I would say that if a marketer thinks that that is a channel or strategy, then, you know, we need to really talk about what's how ABM is being discussed. Um, it, it is almost a larger issue that needs to be solved, which I have thoughts on uh, mm. if we get to it. If your executive team is saying that, like the, I think that's probably more common that's where right. you have the executive team saying that. I mean, you marketing is pretty used to not saying it's easy, but we're pretty used to being hyper-focused on, being blamed, having a target on our backs. Um, so I'd say we're, we're kind of used to scrutiny and mm, we've been at places in our career that there's a lack of understanding. It, you know, I, I hate to say this, but it's, it's our job to educate. It's our job to explain that. And personally, I'm very clear. I am very direct. Hmm. This is not a channel. This is not a tactic. And I say to leaders that, you know, this, what ABM is, is a, is a organizational wide strategy. It is not a marketing campaign. Hmm. And if you expect that, then be prepared to be disappointed. It, it is required to set your exec team up for, uh, like the right expectations hmm. that it is not a small shift in focus. Um, and there's a lot to it. So, I mean, yeah, I, I'd say that, you know, we, we have to take it upon ourselves as, you know, as, as much as we don't need anything else to do, right. um, to, to be the loud voice. Hmm. No, I think that there is a, a deeper problem in that kind of an approach. And you're right. I think it's more coming from the exec teams, right? So, okay, you're you're trying to run a program. You, maybe it's a channel that you're doing, right? Now, by adding this channel, right? So how are you going to show me the ROI? Are you going to like improve your lead velocity or uh, your lead pipeline, right? So the thought sort of starts from there, right? Because this is seen as a channel, right? Now adding this channel, let's say adding an event channel, right? So what kind of impact could it have, right? I think it just uh, start, it starts to uh, go very numerical, right? And, and it's very important at some stage to go and then say, hey, this is it's really very different, right? So don't like measure or don't think uh, yeah. This is as a tactic, but like as an organization strategy, like you just explained, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, have you come across, uh, and did you have to go through that educative process in the seven years that you've been doing ABM? And how have you been able to convince them? Um, I've had to go through it, yes, many times. Um, gee, just trying to think. I mean, it, it almost becomes you know, at some places you, you can sound like a broken record. <clears throat> you just kind of keep having to beat that drum. Um, every single organization I've worked at, it's been a different, you know, situation. I've also been at different levels and, and experiences. So, you know, I, I almost have all the flavors of, mm. ha of having to do it. Yeah. Um, 
I've definitely understood the value of learning the different languages and the um, focusing on the things that each level cares about and basically being a marketer, right? Speaking to the persona, showing them the the pain points and how we can solve internal ABM, if you will. So the way that you're going to talk to a VP of sales about it, a CRO, is totally different than how you're going to talk to a BDR or an AE or even a BDR manager. You're going to need to focus on the direct impacts that they care about. And so you just, you know, you have to, if you tell a BDR, you know, it's going to increase pipeline by 3x, that doesn't impact how much they get paid. Hmm. The opportunity count impacts how much they're going to get paid hmm. and time saved on the uh, the work that they're doing is going to impact them. Hmm. Uh, if you are talking to a more senior person, they're going to care a lot about that 3x pipeline. They're going to care a lot more about the conversion rates and the sales cycle changes. Um, and then, you know, the cost, the cost of implementing a strategy and the efficiency and ROI, that's going to be, you know, more, more of a concern for your CFO. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Let's just double click a little bit on the demand gen, right? And, and versus ABM, right? And I think especially somebody who's just getting started. So there's, I've seen people seeing it as, as an R, right? So I was doing ABM demand, uh, sorry, uh, demand gen, and I wanted to shift to uh, ABM, right? We all know that it, it's, you need to have a demand gen engine working. working for you to basically get started with ABM and basically the demand and demand gen engine feeding into ABM, right? Um, so do, do you have uh, conversations like this? And, and if so, how do you answer? And what should be the structure? And I think people are struggling to put together, right? So you talked a little bit about how uh, it's it's uh, done in reach desk, right? So if, let's say, let's assume somebody who's just getting started, maybe a startup, couple of million in revenue, they're now wanting to implement ABM, got some programs here and there, like the uh, stage that you talked about, right? So fairly scattered, like a lot of pointed siloed uh, programs running, right? And for such a company, right, so how should they approach ABM? How, how could they bring in something like an ABM? Yeah, I mean, I I almost think that I've come to the belief that, you know, they both should exist. Right. There's no real reason that you shouldn't have an inbound motion. I mean, unless it just doesn't work for your buyer and persona. Mm -hmm. And same goes for the outbound motion, but let's just say they're in software and it works. Right. Um, there, there isn't really any reason why you shouldn't be tapping, you know, turning on both faucets, right? They're both bringing in revenue. Mm -hmm. It's all about finding efficiency between both of them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, my advice would truly be like, let's say that they have the demand engine um, and they're building, you know, they're wanting to build out the ABM motion. My genuine advice would be to do, you know, to keep the faucet on the demand gen side on. Mm -hmm. Do not just turn it off and go over here right. because you're not going to have anything coming in. And so you have this built. Right. You have to kind right. of 
build something while something is still working. And the goal is to ensure that you're having the most optimization and efficiency with your demand, you know, your, your inbound channel as you roll out the ABM. But, um, I mean, ultimately you need to be paying attention to how both are working and you need to push more on the gas when you see something working more, Mm. let's see in in ABM, right? So, um, I don't think it should be one or the other. I really don't. And I think that's where the kind of marriage comes in Mm. is, is getting to a place where we finally have to say like, you don't have to decide they both should coexist together. Mm. Demand generation is very, very supportive of ABM strategies. It's the umbrella, right? Like everything that you do from a demand side is ultimately trickling down into your ABM and or your outbound motion. It's, it's the, the warming up. So they might not come inbound. They might not fill out a demo request. But they've already been educated through the funnel. Mm. And then when they're ready, when they reach a certain stage, that is when you start the ABM journey. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, that is my that is my personal preference. And that is the advice that I would get. I mean, I did just speak to somebody, you know, recently about this who is doing demand gen and needs to build an, an ABM um, strategy. And so I've shared this with her and I've, you know, after have, having done it so many times, I, I remind them that it's it takes time to build out. You have to set expectations internally and for yourself. Hmm. And you have to kind of really determine what are the internal priorities, and, you know, to, to decide where to start. Hmm. I don't really think anyone, personally, I don't really think anyone should start ABM with one-to-one. I think that it should start from the top, uh, you know, one to many, down to one to few, then to one to one, because it's almost like training wheels. Mm. You're moving from demand generation slowly away to something that's more different as you go down. Mm. And I think that's that's a really good approach for all of the challenges that you experience. Mm. And I mean, if you're just doing ABM for the first time and you're a small team right. and you can do five one-to-ones a quarter, I mean, that's a lot of investment. Right. And if you don't see results immediately, then you're shut down Correct. and you're done, hmm. you know? Hmm. You're just saying ABM is not for me. Maybe it's, it's because you've not done it uh, as well as it should be, right? And then just thinking that framework possibly did not fit. Uh, so yeah. just to just double click uh, more on it, right? So. So your demand gen is bringing you some conversations, leads, right? So building pipelines. So you're extracting some, a specific set of accounts based on some qualification criteria. And you also establish certain stage and then putting them into, let's say, one to few kind of a, an ABM bucket and then going through that motion of converting. Is, is that the kind of optimal uh, process that you think these kind of companies should do or how? Well, I mean, again, it's it's going to be really dependent on each company, right? right? Yeah. But, um, you know, overall, I think you should be looking at your whole ICP, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Those 
should be getting demand gen initiatives. You should have your accounts, your target accounts selected. They should be the same in marketing as they are in sales. And then your ABM campaigns should be focused on building MQAs for the outbound team. Mm -hmm. So you're building that engagement because you're you're not going to get every single person to do a demo class. So you've got that group over there. And then you've got the group that you're warming up to build MQAs. And then once they MQA, the sales team starts to work them, but you're still running campaigns throughout the various stages until they get to close one. And then of course, moving to a customer ABM Hmm. uh, motion. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think that they should play off of each other. Hmm. Um, I do think that when it comes to the various campaigns, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Um, the one to, the one to many, one to, one to few, one to one, um, it's almost like a tongue twister. Um, they can be done through stages of the buyer journey. Like that's totally normal. Mm. It can be done based on your tiered account strategy. That's also very normal. Um, I prefer to do the, the more of the funnel stages myself, um, because I think that there's more opportunity. I think based on my experience, there's more opportunity for impact and it kind of is, is, it's holding their hand. It's holding their hand to these different campaign experiences. The more, the more engaged you are, the more personalized it gets. Mm. Um, and then I like to do post-op creation one-to-one campaigns because I like to, uh, I like to do personalized one-to-ones. And once you're post-op, you have a, you have a good hand, like handle on what's going on with the account. And so you can really personalize the the content and the copy to what their pain points are, their strategy, like what are their KPIs and really, really create a unique experience that's really cementing your brand um, in with them and, um, you, you know, really building that relationship. Um, and then also, of course, you know, from revenue perspective, right. you're, you're helping the sales team close their deals. Mm. You're helping them get to the finish line faster. Um, And I don't, I don't really think there's like a standard or a lot of marketers that do post-op campaign. I don't think that if you asked 50 salespeople, Mm. I I don't know if many of them would say, oh yeah, my marketing team does that. Or I feel like they're supported. Um, And I think that it really helps with the alignment and the enablement too. Mm -hmm. So we talk a lot about interfunctional alignment sales marketing maybe in some cases customer fun- customer success what about what kind of alignment especially this is for larger companies right so you are just organized in a way based on specifics so there's a creative team there is an uh, maybe an operations team right then there is this digital marketing team right when you start doing something and uh, switching from a demand gen right so very lead focused broad high volume, high velocity kind of campaign and getting into ABM way where it requires a lot more attention and things like that. So what kind of intra-team uh, collaboration, and I, and this is not a topic that's discussed a whole lot. So I thought I, I'll, I'll get some perspective, right? So how do you align uh, functions even within the marketing team? Yeah, I mean, that goes back to enablement and um 
I've definitely had a, a handful of, of, of jobs that I've had to kind of do that. And hmm. I would just say that, uh, I, today I prefer working for, uh, you know, earlier mid, you know, startup sizes. Um, hmm. the, the type of company you work for also it is more likely that you'll be working with people that know this strategy. Right. Um, so I'd say I'm just a little more selective um, mm. because I've done it. It's really, it's really hard. It's right. tiring, mm. but it's, it ultimately comes down to the person that's running ABM. It, mm. it really does. You know, you, you have to spend the time. You have to spend the time to explain it. Um, but I think almost like the, the thing that I have kind of said repeatedly throughout this process when I have had to enable hmm. has really been don't overthink it. It's hmm. not that different. I've had content like in the past say, okay, so what, like, how do we do ABM content? And I don't really think that there's like this whole different idea or strategy than what they're already doing. Mm. Um, other than, you know, there's going to be opportunities and, and requests that say, Hey, we need this one-to-one -one asset. We want to just personalize it for this account. Mm. But I don't think that the content experience is starkly different from yeah. non-ABM, mm. you know, I think it's really only the very personalized content. Hmm. operations that one's a lot more complicated hmm. <laughs> that one's definitely different hmm. um and so you know you have to take it upon yourself to explain to your ops team these are the things that i need to measure this is you know these are the things that i want to be paying attention to and if it's somebody who hasn't done it before it can be really hard for them to break the um you know the the traditional Salesforce campaign or the everything's on a contact level because you're looking on an account level. So that can be challenging, but outside of explaining to them, you know, these are the numbers that I need. This is, this is the conversions that we'll be focusing on. And, and you know, it's looking at it from an account mo model. Hmm. Um, I've had success in connecting my ops people with other ABM ops, um, that I've either worked with or I know in the space because they're going to speak a language that I just right. haven't quite gotten, um, fluent in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, are there and, like specific KPI based, um, approaches help in making sure you're hitting, let's say the targets and things like that. So I'm talking about like, if there are dependency, let's say from, uh, from your creative team, design team, for example. Right. So, I understand it's part of the pro overall project team, right? Project management effort. Uh, since you've, you've gone through, so what are the some challenges, right? So operational challenges. Some of it you just talked about, right? So can those um, ch challenges be addressed just by putting, okay, this is the sort of a KPI. I, I, I launch, I plan a campaign, and then three days from now. Uh, or three days before I need this creatives, right? So these are the assets that needs to be repurposed. Some model like that, is it, or how? Um, I mean, I wouldn't say that that process would be starkly different than the, the creative process that is today, right? right. It's yeah. it, 
it's going through it with your team the first time and hmm. building out that framework together. Right. And I almost think it's a, um, it's a learn as you go. Right. right. So like in experiences that I've had, what has been beneficial is, and this isn't new, it's having a campaign kickoff. It's hmm. putting together a campaign creative brief hmm. and it's providing them with all the assets that we need, all of the you know, variations. Right. And then I think that, you know, to really, this has always just been my style, hmm. um, but I think that it, I think that it's effective in building this cross collaboration is bringing that creative brief, having that conversation, and then saying to the content team or you know whatever team you're on, okay, and when can you get this done by, and you know what is the process that's going to be the most effective to work with your team. Right. It goes a really long way to ask what they, you know, what's their working style and, mm. and you know, fitting in with them instead of forcing them into your way of right. working. Mm. And then it just becomes a little bit easier. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of a lot of it comes down to the person you have running your strategy. Right. If they're not a really good communicator, if they're not the if they're difficult to work with, like it's just going to make everything that much harder. Okay. I think that there's um, a level of like human connection mm. and and genuine sincerity in in working with with your team. Like I've had, you know, when I first started working with sales, I did not like it. Mm. Um, many marketers might be nodding their heads. Mm. Um, but I stopped fighting what felt like not my own instinct. Mm. And I started just kind of listening and observing and thinking about what their experience was like and what their challenges were. And it sounds really simple, but I just kind of learned, okay, when working with the sales team, let's say you're working one-to-one -one with your different AEs, how do they best receive information? How do they like to, to work together? And then doing the way that the salesperson likes to work and modifying to make it work for them. Because if you don't have their, if you don't have their buy-in and if you're just pissing them off, mm. then you're just it's gonna be harder. Mm. And like the number one thing that to this day, like I say all the time is my strategy and the work that I am here to do is directly to support your team, your numbers and your success. Mm. I don't know that, you know, I can't speak for anyone specifically, but let's just say that it's been really well received mm. and perhaps they haven't had that experience um, in past. Right. This good good point. So I think so. A lot of times we just talk about strategy, and then we don't talk a lot about the execution aspects and challenges and handover and things like that, right? And, and as you start like uh, involving and going deeper, I think these are some of the problems that you hit. And then it's better to have some sort of a clarity around how you approach. And I think it it comes to how you like uh, leverage human relationships and how do you work with people's let's say biases and needs and, and all of that, I suppose. Yeah. Can't take that for granted. Right, right. Awesome. Uh, 
just last couple of questions. Um, so like closing the year, right? So a lot of teams are now thinking about or maybe going back to their drawing boards to reevaluate their ABM strategy or kickstarting, right? So what are the uh, some advices you have for these teams? Um, well, just for starting the starting the year, I, I I'd have to say, and I don't know if I'm late to the party on this, but um, I would say starting like one plan at least six months at a time. Hmm. Like my life changed dramatically hmm. when I started planning six month sprints and uh, having kind of the year kind of baked out from that perspective. But doing that mm, three months before the fiscal year starts. So uh, that's what we do at Reach Desk. And so we are starting planning for H1 of 2024 mm. in the next couple of weeks. We have, you know, we're starting Q4 next week. Right. And so we already have that planned. Mm. And we're thinking about what's next. There is a lot less. Well, I mean, there's always panic and stress in like every single marketing, you know, you know, day-to-day job, but there's a lot less of it um, in terms of planning. But, you know, so I'd say plan early is, is going to be, is going to be so beneficial to being able to mm, respond better to the unplanned Hmm. things. Hmm. Um, I'd also say that the having your your priorities and you know not just not just your you know your kpis and your okrs but but having your priorities within your okrs established firmly and asking yourself every time you get a new request that wasn't planned Hmm. how much is this going to impact pipeline how much is this going to move the needle um no matter if you're doing abm or anything else we we're marketers. We want to support. We want to support driving pipeline. So we want, and we're creative. So when somebody asks us something, we like, we want to do it. Um, if that thing is not going to bring enough value, then don't do it. Mm-hmm. So I think that you know, practicing saying no and having your pre-established priorities is is definitely a, a benefit. Mm-hmm. And I think the last thing would be to you know both ABM and marketers just to keep pushing forward. Hmm. Um, it's been a tough time for, for many of us and little by little we're making progress. So just keep pushing forward um, because, you know, we're all in it together. And for ABMers as a whole, I'd say um, be with your people because I have, I spent so long, so long, hmm. not knowing anyone in ABM. Hmm. And the world opens up when you speak with other ABMers. ABMers want to talk to other ABMers, and there are enough of us. We are virtual enough. We are global enough. So um, go where the people are. Talk to them. There's tons of them out there. And I've, you know, to the people that I still meet that are newer to ABM and just figuring it out, that's one of the first things they say to me after speaking is I'm so glad I have somebody to talk to about this. I feel like I'm doing it all by myself. Hmm. So if you feel that way, reach out on LinkedIn to people. There are communities out there. Um, 
I just came across ForgeX, a, an ABM community, and I'm very impressed with their offerings and templates. And um, this is a place that I think ABMers should be. Cool. Don't reinvent the wheel. The wheel has been invented. Try and then make use of it. Excellent. Emma, this has been a fascinating conversation. So thanks for your insight. A lot of things that we've discussed. Hopefully it's going to be, some of it is going to be very useful for some of our audiences. Uh, thank you so much for taking time. Uh, any parting thoughts, comments? How can people reach out to you? LinkedIn, I suppose. Um, yeah, LinkedIn's always the best place. So okay. yeah, and I think that I said a lot of parting comments. So I'll leave it. Huh. I'll leave everybody alone now. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much.